0: Welcome to the Trip Hacks DC podcast. Discover the best tips, tricks, and travel hacks for your visit to the nation's capital. And now, here's Rob. Hello, and thank you for tuning in. If you want to check out any show notes from this episode, listen to other episodes, or learn about Trip Hacks DC guided tours, you can do all of that over at TripHacksDC.com. If you're new to this podcast or Trip Hacks DC in general, hello, my name is Rob. I'm a tour guide, and I founded TripHacks DC back in 2017. My goal is to give you my best tips, tricks, and travel hacks so you can have the best possible trip to Washington, DC. Today we're going to be talking about holidays, and because this episode is going to be released in December, you may be thinking the winter holidays, but oh no, we're going to cover every single holiday that we celebrate in Washington, DC. We'll cover the official federal government holidays, we'll cover unofficial holidays, Basically, anything that may impact your trip, we'll talk about. Maybe you're curious about what Washington, D.C. is like on this holiday or that holiday, or maybe you've already booked your trip, and after all the reservations were made, you realized it's over a holiday, and now you want to know what to expect. Whatever the case, I've got you covered. I have to caveat that what I included in this episode is kind of a judgment call. Obviously, I started with the list of all federal government holidays, and those will all be included. But after that, it was a bit of a judgment call. I did include a few religious holidays, like Hanukkah and Easter, but for the most part, I left religious holidays off, because my goal with this episode is to talk about how your trip might be impacted if you visit on one of these holidays. And honestly, most religious holidays just don't impact tourism very much. So I am acknowledging up front that this is not an exhaustive list of every holiday, and I'm not leaving certain religious holidays out to slight them. It's just because it doesn't fit with the theme that I'm going for. All right, now I'm going to tackle the list chronologically, starting at the beginning of the year and going month by month till the end. And I'm actually not going to start with New Year's Day, even though New Year's Day is literally the first holiday of the year, On the first day of the calendar, I think New Year's Day and New Year's Eve, its sibling, go together. So I'm going to save both for the end of the episode. On the third Monday in January is Martin Luther King Jr. Day. This is a federal government holiday. Officially, it's called the birthday of Martin Luther King Jr. Most kids get a day off of school and lots of adults, though not everyone, gets a holiday from work. So for many folks, this is a three-day weekend. MLK Day is the only federal holiday designated as a national day of service to encourage all Americans to volunteer to improve their communities. That, combined with the fact that it's the first holiday right after all the big winter holidays, means it's one that people are more likely to stay home for rather than to travel for. If you choose to travel to D.C. for MLK Day, you'll probably find it's mostly a pretty chill long weekend. So I don't think you otherwise need to make any special preparations or plans. Also in January, but only every fourth year, is Inauguration Day, January 20th. One fun fact that almost no one knows about is that Inauguration Day is a federal government holiday, but only for federal employees in the Washington, D.C. area. So if you work at the Health and Human Services headquarters in downtown D.C., you get a holiday If you work at the CDC in Atlanta, you do not get a holiday, and it's a regular workday for you. When it comes to tourism, I do not recommend coming to D.C. for the three days before or the three days after an inauguration. Of course, if you want to actually attend the inauguration, then yeah, you've got to come on January 20th. But if you just want to come to D.C. for sightseeing, it's not a good choice as hotel rates go up, some things close down, And it's just a bit too chaotic to really be fun. I'm not going to go into more depth on inauguration because I have an entire podcast episode on this topic that you can listen to for more. Moving into February, the first holiday is an unofficial one, Groundhog Day. This is on February 2nd. Most people know about Punxsutawney Phil, and believe it or not, we have our own groundhog, Potomac Phil. Why every groundhog has to be named Phil is beyond my scope of knowledge, but If you're around on Groundhog Day and turn on the local news and hear about Potomac Phil's spring prediction, that's what's going on. The next holiday in February is another unofficial one, Super Bowl Sunday. I personally think Super Bowl Sunday is one of the most surreal days of the year. Because it's one of the only times when, for four hours, seemingly a majority of people in America are all doing exactly the same thing gathered around a TV watching football. Or, for the people who don't like football, for the commercials or the halftime show. I personally gave up on the NFL years ago. The Dan Snyder era in D.C. was a rough one. And I also hate advertising. So I might be one of the few people in the U.S.A. who is not glued to a TV the night of Super Bowl Sunday. Anyway, last year I went to walk my dogs during, I think, the second quarter— And the streets were absolutely empty. It was pretty surreal. So if you're going to be in D.C. on Super Bowl Sunday, first ask if you want to watch the game or not. If you do, then you should make a plan for where you're going to watch the game. Obviously, you could sit in your hotel room and watch it there, but I don't know how much fun that is. Sports bars are an obvious choice, but they might be crowded and you might want to stop by or call the sports bar you're wanting to go to to make sure they're not doing some sort of ticketed event or a watch party or anything like that. If you don't plan to watch the game, Super Bowl Sunday can actually be a pretty cool opportunity to go to otherwise very popular places and avoid the crowds. If there's an award-winning restaurant that's otherwise very hard to get a reservation for, check Super Bowl Sunday. Assuming they're open for dinner on Sunday, this might be a great chance to check out an amazing place that you otherwise might miss out on. Also, whatever you do, do not go to a grocery store the afternoon of Super Bowl Sunday. I once made that mistake about a decade ago, and the memory still haunts me. Every single shelf in the beer cooler was empty. I don't think there was a single potato chip to be had within a one mile radius of that store. And the avocado bin was absolutely demolished. The date of Super Bowl Sunday changes every year. In 2024, it's going to be on February 11th, and in 2025, on February 9th. But one holiday that does not change its date every year is Valentine's Day, February 14th. Valentine's Day is not a government holiday. No one gets off of work or school for this one. But it is an important one for visitors to know about because of its impact on restaurants. People want to go out to a nice Valentine's Day meal. Unfortunately, anyone who works in restaurants will probably tell you this is one of the worst days of the year to go out if you want a nice meal. Valentine's Day for restaurants is about volume. Restaurants want to get as many people through the door feed them quickly, and then get them back out the door. They know they've only got one day to take advantage of the spike in demand, and they do. A lot of restaurants switch from their regular menu to a pre-fixed menu for Valentine's Day. The items on that pre-fixed menu, again, are probably things they can crank out quickly. So if food and restaurants are something important to you, it's probably best not to plan a big, exciting meal for February 14th. The next February holiday is President's Day, which is officially called George Washington's birthday. This one is a federal holiday, so lots of people have a day off of work and school. And because it's scheduled on the third Monday in February, rather than on George Washington's actual birthday, it's always a three-day weekend. Some people think this would be a big holiday in D.C., I guess because the president lives here? But generally, there aren't really any special holiday events, no parades or anything like that. However, this one does have a bump in tourism because a lot of school districts, I've learned, started doing a mid-winter break that overlaps with President's Day. I only learned about this a couple of years ago when I had a suspiciously large bump in tour bookings at the end of February, even though February is typically a very slow month. Historically, tourist crowds in D.C. are biggest when kids are on school break. So obviously that's spring break and summer break, but now there are new breaks getting added. Not at every school and at every school district, but for the ones that are taking them, it is leading to more tourists and more crowds during those breaks. And that's going to be a bit of a theme as I run through the rest of the holidays. President's Day was also historically one of the few days when the Library of Congress did an open house of their amazing main reading room. I went last year, and it was a bit of a disappointment, to be honest. It's a lot more restrictive than before COVID. So while it's still a unique thing to do, it's harder to get excited about it if that's how it's going to be now. Moving on to March... An unofficial holiday, but one that I know many people enjoy, is St. Patrick's Day on March 17th. Now, in some cities, I know St. Patrick's Day is a massive deal. In Boston and New York City, there are famous parades. In Chicago, they dye the river green. If you want a party on St. Patrick's Day, Washington, D.C. is probably not a great destination for you. Unfortunately, we don't really have a huge Irish pub scene here, and the two most well-known, Kelly's Irish Times and the Dubliner, can get pretty overwhelmed on St. Patrick's Day. But just because a bar isn't technically an Irish pub doesn't mean they won't have some kind of St. Patrick's Day celebration, so you can find something, don't worry. The Irish Embassy in D.C. usually schedules a day of fun, so you can check out the Embassy website to see what they're up to in any given year. The next holiday in March is another unofficial one, the first day of spring, March 20th. This one serves a dual role because it's also the first day of the National Cherry Blossom Festival. I'm not going to go in-depth on the Cherry Blossom Festival because I've already made a ton of content about it. But it is one of the most exciting times of the year in D.C. So obviously the kickoff on the first day of spring is something to look forward to and celebrate. I'm going to put Easter in with the March holidays, even though it could fall either in March or April, depending on the year. Easter is a holiday I get asked about a lot, and one that tends to confuse people. Easter is a religious holiday, but it is not a government holiday. Also, because it always falls on a Sunday, it means people are generally already off of work or school anyway. Almost nothing in Washington, D.C. is closed on Easter. All the major tourist sites are open. Museums are open. Trip Hacks DC tours run. Unless something is always closed on Sundays, like the Library of Congress, it will be open on Easter. I don't know if that's the case elsewhere in the country or the world, and I suspect it's not, because people often seem concerned that things will be closed on Easter. But do not worry. Almost nothing in DC is closed on Easter. For the most part, it's just a regular spring day. What about attending church services? Can you attend Easter service at the National Cathedral or the Basilica of the Shrine of the Immaculate Conception? For the National Cathedral, you do need a pass. I don't know exactly who gets to distribute these passes. I have been offered one in the past, but I've always declined as I felt like someone else would appreciate it more. So they're not impossible to get, but I don't really know how one would seek them out. For the Basilica, which would be a Catholic Mass— I have scoured the internet trying to find out if passes are required, and I can't quite figure it out. It does seem that during COVID, they required mass reservations to attend in person, but that registration page no longer exists. So if this is something you really want to do, I would contact them directly and double-check rather than just show up and hope for the best. Moving into April. The first day of the month is April Fool's Day. The only thing I have to say about this one is, Be extremely careful about what you see or read, especially online. The National Park Service sometimes likes to have fun with April Fool's Day. A few years back, they posted on social media about how they'd be turning around the statue of Abraham Lincoln so that he would now be facing the wall in the Lincoln Memorial. Pretty funny joke, in my opinion, but several people forwarded it to me, believing it was real. Don't fall for it. Now, this next one is a bit of a tricky one to navigate. D.C. Emancipation Day is on April 16th. This is a D.C. holiday, but not a federal holiday. That means that anyone who works for the local government gets the day off. Anyone who works for the federal government does not. It also means that kids who attend D.C.P.S. get a day off. But kids who attend suburban schools do not. D.C. Emancipation Day honors the Compensated Emancipation Act, signed by Abraham Lincoln, which ended slavery in the District of Columbia in 1862. D.C. Emancipation Day usually includes a parade on Pennsylvania Avenue near our city hall, as well as a fireworks display on the same location. So if you want to see fireworks, head over around dark. Otherwise, it often comes as a bit of a surprise when people don't know about them. The parade also closes a section of Pennsylvania Avenue, but since it's not a work holiday for many people, can create some annoying, snarled traffic. Earth Day is on April 22nd, and this is not a holiday that gets you off of work or school. The stated purpose of Earth Day is to demonstrate support for environmental protection. So you will often find climate protests and related marches happening on Earth Day, or sometimes the weekend before or after. These are typically not disruptive to most tourists, but worth knowing that they're happening in case you see them. Moving on to May may 4th is star wars day if you're a fan of the movies you know exactly why if you're not just be aware that you may see some bars having star wars parties or people walking around dressed up like star wars characters the next day may 5th is cinco de mayo this is a day to celebrate mexico's victory over the second french empire at the battle of puebla in 1862 so it is not officially a u.s holiday But since there are many folks of Mexican descent in the U.S., it is fairly widely celebrated. In D.C., you'll mostly find Cinco de Mayo at Mexican restaurants. So if you want to celebrate, that's probably your best shot at doing so. Mother's Day is the second Sunday in May. The most important thing you need to know about Mother's Day in D.C. is that it is probably the biggest brunch day of the entire year. Everybody wants to take their mom out for brunch on this day. In that sense, a lot of the caveats from Valentine's Day apply, with the biggest difference that Valentine's Day is dinner and Mother's Day is brunch. On Mother's Day, restaurants are all about volume, so you may find limited menus designed for quick preparation. If you decide to brunch on Mother's Day, it is imperative that you make a reservation in advance. Many, many years ago, I made the mistake of not making a reservation on Mother's Day, and every place I tried to go was fully booked. And the last holiday in May is a big one, Memorial Day. Officially, Memorial Day is for honoring and mourning the U.S. military personnel who died while serving in war. Unofficially, Memorial Day weekend is the start of summer. Memorial Day is always the last Monday in May, so it's always guaranteed to be a three-day weekend. Pretty much everyone has off from work and school. There are two big events in D.C. worth knowing about. First is the National Memorial Day concert, which is held at the Capitol the Sunday night before Memorial Day. This is a free 90-minute show that is televised on PBS. You can also usually attend the free dress rehearsal the day before, weather permitting. I've gone to the concert a few times and think it's a unique thing to do, and if you have the opportunity, can be worth it. But it's not something that I feel the need to do every year. The other big event is the National Memorial Day Parade, This follows the same parade route as the Cherry Blossom Parade and the 4th of July Parade, basically right down Constitution Avenue from roughly the National Archives to the White House. If you like parades, this can be a fun one. In the past, Memorial Day was also when there was an event called Rolling Thunder to the Wall, where veterans would ride their Harley-Davidson motorcycles hundreds or thousands of miles from home to D.C., and then ride those motorcycles around the city— usually the Sunday before Memorial Day. Rolling Thunder officially ended in 2019, but similar events have popped up in its place. Basically, if you're going to be around the National Mall Memorial Day weekend, specifically the Sunday before, expect it to be loud and expect to see a lot of motorcycles. It will also be more busy and crowded than usual, specifically at the war memorials. All right, now we've covered quite a few holidays and my coffee cup is empty. So let's take a one-minute break so I can go refill, and then we'll cover holidays for the rest of the year. If you're listening to this podcast, my hunch is that you're probably planning an upcoming trip to Washington, D.C., or at least dreaming about a future adventure. One thing I've learned from meeting thousands of travelers and doing a bit of traveling myself over the years is that experiences are usually the best memories from a trip. That's why I started Trip Hacks DC. I didn't just want to create content to help you plan a trip, but also to provide an amazing experience once you arrive. And I think it's worked because people tell me all the time that their Trip Hacks DC tour was the highlight of their trip. And that really makes me happy. So if that's something that sounds up your alley, You can head over to triphacksdc.com to learn about taking a private tour with me or a public group tour with one of the amazing Triphacks DC tour guides. And we're back. Moving into June, the first holiday we come to is Flag Day, June 14th. This is not an official government holiday, so no one has time off of work or school. And this is another one that people think might be a thing in DC, but isn't really. Obviously, if you spend any time on the National Mall, you'll see flags flying everywhere, but that's just how it always is. If you want to make your own little celebration, remember that the original Star-Spangled Banner is on display at the Smithsonian American History Museum, so you can head on over there and pay tribute. The next holiday is on June 19th, Juneteenth. This is the newest federal government holiday. It is celebrated on this date because on June 19th, 1865, Major General Gordon Granger ordered the final enforcement of the Emancipation Proclamation in Texas. Juneteenth became a federal holiday in 2021. D.C., Maryland, and Virginia all recognize it as a local holiday as well. So lots of people who live in this area will get a day off of work. As far as special events go, it feels like we're still kind of establishing traditions, so it's hard to say exactly what your experience might feel like on this day. Juneteenth is always celebrated on June 19th, and my hunch is that if it falls on a Saturday, there might be more going on than if it falls on, say, a Wednesday. But again, it's still a relatively young holiday around here, so new traditions will form over time. The next holiday in June is Father's Day. Now, unlike Mother's Day, Father's Day is not a big restaurant day. Father's Day is more about things like backyard barbecues, golf, and just hanging around and enjoying an easygoing day. One thing you might notice if you're in D.C. on Father's Day is that every year thousands of roses are laid at the Vietnam Veterans Memorial to honor the dads who died. I've seen this on my tours many times, and it is one of the most powerful and memorable days at the Vietnam Memorial. Fourth of July is pretty much the peak of the peak when it comes to tourism in D.C. Tons of people come in for this holiday. It gets crowded in D.C., so if you're planning to come for the fireworks or other festivities, you absolutely have to come prepared. I'm not going to go into too many details because I recorded an entire podcast episode last summer exclusively about the 4th of July, so definitely check that out. But as a quick update, all the signature events, the parade, the concert at the Capitol, and the fireworks are all back to their pre-COVID glory. A lot of locals go out of town for the 4th of July because it can, admittedly, feel a little chaotic and overwhelming here. But I also think that's what makes it exciting. I always stay in D.C. for the 4th of July. One thing to note is that the 4th of July itself is one of the only days of the year I can't run tours of the monuments because of the fireworks security zone. And my tours in the days before the 4th usually book up early. So if you're going to be here for the holiday, make all of your bookings and reservations as soon as you can, because stuff does sell out. There really are no other holidays in July, and there are no holidays in August, even unofficial ones. The stretch after the 4th of July really does kind of feel like the dog days of summer around here. The next big holiday is in September, Labor Day. It is celebrated on the first Monday in September to honor and recognize the American labor movement unofficially, Labor Day marks the end of summer. For people who love summer, this can be a sad day. For me personally, it is a happy day. Summer in D.C. can be so hot and exhausting that I always look forward to fall, so I kind of dig Labor Day. I would describe Labor Day weekend as one of the more chill holidays in D.C. It's a three-day weekend, and some people take advantage of that to travel. But for a lot of families... Kids have either just started a new school year or are about to start a new school year, so traveling is not something that's happening. I personally usually travel myself over Labor Day weekend. My own little tradition is to go to New York City for the holiday. One of the reasons I can do this is because, before I started this tradition, I found Labor Day weekend was very slow for tours, so I'm not missing out on much business. If you do plan to come to D.C. over Labor Day weekend, though— You'll find a pretty chill atmosphere, but unfortunately won't be able to tour with me. The National Symphony Orchestra holds a free concert at the Capitol for Labor Day. This is in the same location as the Memorial Day and Fourth of July concerts, but I do not believe this one is televised, so it tends to be less well-known and crowds tend to be smaller. I personally prefer this style of music to what they play on those other holidays, but this is definitely a matter of taste and preference. Moving on to October, the second Monday in October, we celebrate either Columbus Day, which is what the federal government calls this holiday, or Indigenous Peoples Day, which is what the D.C. government calls this holiday. This is another one that, since it's always on a Monday, is a guaranteed three-day weekend. I often find a spike in tourism around this one because a lot of schools now do a fall break that overlaps with Columbus Day slash Indigenous Peoples Day. Again, the theme is, the most number of tourists are here whenever kids are on break from school. It's a nice fall holiday, but otherwise not too notable. The other big holiday in October is an unofficial holiday, Halloween. Halloween is always on October 31st. And it's worth saying that trick-or-treating in D.C. is always on the day itself. I know in other cities or towns, trick-or-treating is done on the weekend before or on a date that's not the 31st itself. Not here. In D.C., trick-or-treating is always on October 31st. If you're here with kids and they want to partake, that's the day you'll do it. The weekend before Halloween, also called Weekend, is a big bar weekend where people dress up and bars have drink specials and costume contests. If Halloween falls on a Friday, then sometimes weekend is the Saturday and Sunday after. Since this is an unofficial holiday, there are no rules, and places can just make them up as they please. November has quite a few holidays to mention. Election Day is the Tuesday after the first Monday in November. I mention this because people often ask me if it gets crazy in D.C. on Election Day, and the answer is no. D.C. is not crazy on Election Day because people don't vote in D.C. on Election Day. They vote where they live. National politicians also tend to have their victory parties in the place they're representing, not in D.C. Of course, we have our own local elections in D.C., so on Election Day, locals will head to the polls themselves. I personally have become a huge fan of early voting, so since I drop off my ballot in advance, for me, Election Day is just another day. There are some bars in D.C. that will host watch parties in the evening for election returns. I don't like these, and I don't attend them. I think it's a bad thing that some places treat politics like sports. But that's all I'm going to say about that, because I could really rant about this if I don't stop myself now. So if you want to visit D.C. over Election Day, vote early back home, and then come and have fun, and don't stress out about the fact that it's Election Day. Veterans Day is on November 11th. This is a federal government holiday, and it is always celebrated on November 11th. So depending which day of the week it falls, it may or may not be a three-day weekend for those who get a day off of work. Veterans Day is a holiday for honoring military veterans of the U.S. Armed Forces. It's distinct from Memorial Day because it celebrates all veterans, not just those who died in war. In other countries, November 11th is called Armistice Day or Remembrance Day. In D.C., you will find special events and ceremonies specifically at the war memorials. This year, I was leading a tour on Veterans Day, and we unfortunately were not able to go up close to the Vietnam Memorial Wall because we arrived right in the middle of a ceremony. We also had a Veterans Day parade this year on the standard Constitution Avenue parade route. This year, since Veterans Day fell on a Saturday, and it was a particularly beautiful fall weather day, It was quite busy and crowded out on the National Mall. That said, a lot depends on what day of the week it falls, and so you may or may not have the same experience depending on when you come. The next holiday in November is a big one, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is on the fourth Thursday of November. It's a huge travel holiday, but more so for travel to visit family rather than for tourism or sightseeing. I've often said, if you don't mind skipping family Thanksgiving, This is actually a great time to travel to D.C. Since there is basically zero business or conference travel that week, hotel rates tend to be fairly low. And as a bonus, there are very few 8th grade field trips this week as well. Something I learned this year is that some school districts are now giving the entire week of Thanksgiving off from school. I had several groups from Texas sign up for my private tour this year, and it turns out that many school districts in Texas are giving the full week. So... I actually do think this is a busier holiday now than it was in the past. Again, because the biggest crowds are here when kids are on break from school. Most major tourist sites and museums are open on Thanksgiving. I think Thanksgiving Day is actually a good one to make a museum day. This year I gave a tour on Thanksgiving Day, and it was surprisingly busy out there. A lot of that may have had to do with the fact that the weather was quite nice, but I wouldn't necessarily expect it to be slow if you head out on Thanksgiving. I also want to mention Black Friday, or the day after Thanksgiving. This has historically been a pretty busy day in D.C. My hypothesis is that it's because people who traveled to the D.C. area to visit family spent Thursday hanging out with them, eating their turkey, doing their Thanksgiving activities, but by Friday they were itching to get out and see something other than the inside of their relative's house. Black Friday is also historically a major shopping day, I feel like some of this chaos has cooled down now that a lot of shopping is done online, but I personally wouldn't go anywhere near Tyson's Corner Mall on Black Friday. Unless, of course, you want to experience shopping at a suburban mall the day after Thanksgiving. And finally, we get into the December winter holidays. The first is Hanukkah, which has varying dates as it's based on the Jewish lunar calendar. This year, it's fairly early, from December 7th through December 15th. Next year, it's fairly late from December 25th through January 2nd. You can visit the National Menorah, which is set up each year on the Ellipse near the White House. Of course, there's also Christmas, December 25th, Kwanzaa, December 26th through January 1st, and Festivus, December 23rd. I've done a lot of videos and a podcast episode all about Christmas and the holiday season, so I will refer you to those for specific details. The most important thing you need to know is that Christmas Day December 25th is the only day in D.C. when the vast majority of tourist sites are closed. Smithsonian museums? Closed. Federal government sites? Closed. You really need to think and plan ahead for what you're going to do on Christmas Day itself. You also absolutely need restaurant reservations for Christmas Day. Go on OpenTable or Resi and see who's open on Christmas Day find a place that looks good, and make a reservation. Don't stress about finding the best place, as many will likely have limited menus anyway. A lot of restaurants will be closed on Christmas, so you want to make sure you have a reservation for one that's actually open. Otherwise, you'll find most tourist sites and restaurants will be open on Christmas Eve, December 24th, and on December 26th. I know a lot of countries have December 26th as Boxing Day, but We don't have that here, so it's really only December 25th that you need to be careful with. And then one week later, we get into New Year's, and I'm lumping New Year's Eve and New Year's Day together here. New Year's Eve is not a government holiday, but New Year's Day is. If you're looking for a big party or celebration, I am sorry to tell you that Washington, D.C. is a poor destination if that's what you want. Back in the 80s, Washington, D.C. did try to throw a big party on Pennsylvania Avenue, and do a postage stamp drop at the old post office. The idea was that we were going to rival New York City and Times Square for the best New Year's Eve celebration. Obviously, that didn't stick. And for the Millennium in 2000, there was a huge New Year's Eve party on the National Mall, hosted by Will Smith and attended by Bill Clinton. It was the last time we did anything big for the New Year in D.C. New Year's Eve parties tend to be split into three categories. Ranging from least to most expensive we have, house parties among a group of friends, ticketed parties at bars, and super fancy parties in hotel ballrooms. For visitors, you're probably not going to any house parties unless you know someone who lives here. A lot of bars do these ticketed parties where you have to buy a ticket and that gets you access to an open bar and maybe some snacks and a champagne toast at midnight. Usually, these are pretty casual. Some people dress up, some people go in jeans. It's kind of up to you. If you want to go to a bar on New Year's Eve, it is critical that you find out in advance whether they are having a party or just doing regular service. If a bar is having a party and you don't have a ticket, you can't go. This is the one day of the year when bar hopping is not really possible. Hotel ballroom parties are the most expensive. These usually have access to an open bar, probably food, and everyone is dressed up in their best suits, tuxes, and dresses. I've never attended one of these as I have no interest, but if you want a very unique experience, this is where you'll find it. My honest opinion when it comes to New Year's is that if you want to go out, pick a place that's close to where you're staying. Transportation after midnight can be a mess, and it's much better and easier if you can just walk a few blocks back to where you're staying rather than try to deal with getting across town after midnight. And then New Year's Day tends to be pretty low key with people recovering from the night before. A lot of people take the entire week between Christmas and New Year's off of work, so for these folks, it's also kind of the last day of vacation before getting back to the grind. Now before I go, I want to say thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you made it this far into the episode, you may well be a regular listener. I actually like producing this podcast more than anything else. More than the videos, more than the TikToks or Reels or Shorts, And it's because I know if you are listening, it's because you are serious about your upcoming trip. So thank you again for tuning in. 2023 was a surprisingly solid year for TripHacks DC Tours. I met quite a few people who came on my tour and mentioned listening to many episodes of this podcast, which I think is awesome. And I almost never ask for this, but if you are a regular listener... Can you leave a rating or a review in whatever podcast app you use? It's always great to see feedback as inspiration for creating more. And one last thing before I go, the TripHacks DC private tour calendar is now open through February 2024. So if you're coming to DC soon and interested, head over to the website and check it out. Thanks for listening to the Trip Hacks DC podcast. To see the show notes from today's episode, get additional resources for planning your trip or to book a Trip Hacks DC guided tour, visit triphacksdc.com.